worship an awesome God in the blue states. The, the president's uh, problem is that he was born a Muslim. Not God bless America, God damn America. My Christian faith then has been a sustaining force for me over these last few years. Marriage itself is now being redefined and at a very incredible velocity. President Obama made it very clear that he wanted to be the abortion president. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Welcome to the history of evangelicals and politics, the Obama era. This is episode 19, The Black Church and Gay Marriage. I'm John Fia. In early 2004, the dam holding back the floodwaters of gay marriage in America was starting to crack. As we have already seen, same-sex marriage in Massachusetts was all but a reality. And the San Francisco controversy over gay marriage inspired other cities to start issuing marriage licenses to same-sex couples. They included Albuquerque, New Mexico, Portland, Oregon, New Paltz, New York, and Asbury Park, New Jersey. And more and more American towns and cities with progressive leadership were contemplating doing the same as a way to challenge state laws banning gay marriage. The Christian right battled these local efforts at every turn, but they were not the only Christians willing to fight to preserve traditional marriage and do whatever possible to patch up the dam and hold back the floodwaters. As we saw in our last episode, in Asbury Park, it was the black churches who led the way in the fight against gay marriage. And in this episode, we want to explore more fully the African-American resistance to same-sex marriage during this period. According to the Public Religion Research Institute, in 2003, only 28% of Black Americans supported same-sex marriage, and only 23% of Black Protestants supported it. Only white evangelical Protestants had a lower rate of support. As we have again already seen, most Black clergy opposed same-sex marriage because they believed it contradicted the teachings of Scripture. In this sense, their argument was not much different from the anti-gay marriage arguments made by the Christian right and other evangelicals. Reverend Gregory Groover, pastor of Charles Street African Methodist Episcopal Church in Boston, could not have been any clearer when he told the Associated Press that Black preachers were progressive in our social consciousness, and in our political ideology as an oppressed people, we will often be against the status quo. But our first call is to hear the voice of God in our scriptures. And where an issue clearly contradicts our understanding of scripture, we have to apply that understanding. Another Black New England pastor, Wesley Roberts, the president of the Black Ministerial Alliance, 
which was an organization representing 80 churches in the region with about 20,000 to 30,000 members, announced that the decision to oppose gay marriage was not very difficult because our faith forces us to recognize something that is biblical and that history has firmed. In Hartford, Connecticut, Reverend James Walker of the Phillips Metropolitan Christian Methodist Episcopal Church told the Hartford Current that he thought gays and lesbians have a compelling civil rights argument. But gay marriage still did not square with his faith. As a minister, Walker said, I am a person who takes into consideration tradition and the idea of reason. But he then added, I give the Bible the greatest weight. Walker's neighbor, Bishop Leroy Bailey of the 8,000 member First Cathedral in Bloomfield, Connecticut, said that he speaks out on the issue of gay marriage because God has spoken on the issue. He claimed that he was not into gay bashing, but his calling was ultimately to preach the gospel and he refused to remove certain positions of it just to please people. My responsibility, he added, is not to man, but to God. In the wake of the Goodridge decision legalizing gay marriage in Massachusetts, several states sought to pass amendments declaring marriage between one man and one woman so that these decisions could not be easily overturned by a simple up or down vote of a state legislature. One of those states was Georgia, where the capital city of Atlanta was becoming a hub for black homosexuals. As more and more gay men and women flocked to the city, they often ran into opposition from African-American churches. They claimed that few churches welcomed them, and found that gay bashing from the pulpit was not unusual. Black clergy, they said, often heterosexualized members of the gay community at funerals, and deaths from AIDS were often glossed over as cancer. Since the church remained the cultural center of black life in Atlanta, many homosexuals continued to attend services while remaining in the closet. Black members of the Georgia legislature who opposed an amendment banning gay marriage often had to deal with pressure and criticism from the Black church. For example, Randall Mangum, who represented Decatur, often received calls from pastors telling him to do the right thing, don't bow to special interests, and remember who you are. Mangum added that he had yet to sit down and talk about the gay marriage amendment with his pastor, Bishop Eddie Long of the 25,000 member New Birth Missionary Baptist Church in Lithonia, but added that he didn't need to meet with the pastor personally, since Long often spoke to him from the pulpit. Long said that he supported a constitutional ban on gay marriage and counsels his congregation to abandon their homosexuality. We have a lot of people who are in that lifestyle who are no longer in that lifestyle, he said. Cheryl Sanders, pastor of the Third Street Church of God in Washington, D.C., and a professor of Christian ethics at Howard University School of Divinity, took a similar statement. 
We do not have any place in the scripture in our tradition that we would consecrate or affirm or acknowledge marriage between two persons of the same sex, she told Religion and Ethics Newsweekly. Homosexual practice, in my understanding of scripture, is a sin. It's not the only sin, and it may not be the worst sin, but it's certainly a sin. Jason Barr, pastor of the Macedonia Baptist Church in Pittsburgh, one of the Steel City's largest Black churches at 3,500 members, considered himself slightly more liberal on homosexuality than the members of his congregation, who he described as conservative and fundamentalist. Barr believed homosexuality was not biblical, but unlike some in his congregation, and by implication, other black churches, he was willing to embrace gay men and women much in the same way he would embrace other sinners, such as adulterers or drug addicts. I love them as people, Barr said, but not the lifestyle. Reverend Gregory Daniels of the United Truth and Change Church in Chicago was not as nuanced. During a news conference on gay marriage held by African-American Baptist pastors in the Windy City, Daniels announced that if the KKK opposes gay marriage, I would ride with them. Members of the African-American community who defended gay marriage as a civil right were in a decided minority, but they made every effort to push back against the conservatism of the church on this issue. For example, Black public intellectual Michael Eric Dyson argued that there was an inherent contradiction in much of the Black church's theology of marriage. Black Christians who have been despised and oppressed for much of their existence, he said, should be wary of extending that oppression to our lesbian sisters and gay brothers. Jasmine Canick the Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation's national media manager said, for black people who were once jumping over a broom to get married, they should be ashamed to be oppressing anybody else. Dyson and Canick directly connected the fight for gay civil rights to the black civil rights movement of the 1950s and 1960s. 2004 presidential hopefuls, Carol Mosley Braun and Reverend Al Sharpton also made these links. Former Selma Marcher and Georgia Congressman John Lewis also supported gay marriage as a civil right. And in March 2004, Coretta Scott King, the wife of Martin Luther King, endorsed same-sex marriage. But not all Blacks, as we saw in Asbury Park, we're willing to compare the fight for gay marriage to the African-American fight for civil rights. For example, Walter Fauntroy was a black veteran of the civil rights movement who played several important roles in the 1960s. He was a leader of the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, helped organize the 1963 March on Washington and the 1965 Selma to Montgomery marches, served as vice chairman of Lyndon Johnson's White House Conference on Civil Rights, and negotiated with Black Panthers in the late 1960s in hopes of getting them to follow Martin Luther King's path of nonviolence. Fauntroy was a staunch opponent of gay marriage from his post as spokesman for the Alliance 
for marriage, a nonpartisan group advocating for pro-traditional marriage amendments. Fauntroy believed that gay and black people's struggle for civil rights were exactly the same when it came to access to income, education, healthcare, housing, and criminal justice. But he placed marriage in a different category. The pastor of the New Bethel Baptist Church in Washington, D.C., said that my religious tradition says that homosexuality is an abomination. Have your same-sex unions. Have your contracts, Fauntroy said. But don't confuse my young people into thinking they don't need one another. Don't tell my young women they don't need a man. Cornell Lewis, a pastor at the North End Church of Christ in Hartford, knew from experience as a black man that, as he put it, being discriminated against hurts. But he still refused to equate the campaign for gay marriage with the civil rights movement. Discrimination against gays can't approach what happened to black people, he said. Similarly, Lorraine Williams, the pastor of the Stanton Heights United Methodist Church in Pittsburgh, claimed that comparisons between the two reform movements are an insult to the suffering and pain of Black people and to the memory of our civil rights leaders who were killed. She added, they suffered and sacrificed for more than the right of people to sleep with some. Michael Massey, a board member of Project 21, a Washington, D.C. Black conservative think tank, was even more adamant. He argued that attempts by the gay community to invoke the civil rights movement were a sham, a charade, and a disgrace, since homosexuals have never even remotely gone through what blacks in the Jim Crow South had to endure. His anger was matched by several black Southern Baptists. How dare you, said Brendan Saunders, pastor of Freedom Church in Baltimore take the years of oppression enforced on the black community and trivialize it because you want to justify your sinful actions. How dare you? Others argued that the civil rights movement was about discrimination based upon the color of one's skin and not on sexual preference. Sam Nero, the pastor of the Church of New Life in Minneapolis, told those present at a local news conference on gay marriage that when he grew up in Louisiana in the 1950s and 1960s, he was discriminated against because of his skin color, not because of any particular lifestyle that stood before him. Many African-American pastors believe that homosexuality was a choice, a sinful orientation that could be corrected through prayer and counseling. As another Black Southern Baptist pastor from Baltimore put it, for people to be thinking homosexuality is okay, we have done them an injustice. God says the wages of sin is death. He noted that the civil rights movement was about race, not gender or the sexual choices one makes. And if they say it's in the genes, this pastor added, I say those genes need to be washed by the word of the Lord. If it's in your nature, it needs to get out of your nature. That's called redemption. In March, during Georgia's debate over a constitutional amendment banned same-sex marriage, about 30 Black pastors met in Atlanta 
to use the words of the Associated Press, to distance the civil rights struggle from the gay rights movement and declare marriage as a union between a man and a woman. Reverend Clarence James, an African-American studies professor at Temple University in Philadelphia, was part of the group. When the homosexual compares himself to the black community, he told the AP, he doesn't know what suffering is. This group issued a declaration that said, in part, to equate a lifestyle choice to racism demeans the work of the entire civil rights movement. People are free in our nation to pursue relationships as they choose. To redefine marriage, however, to suit the preference of those choosing alternative lifestyles is wrong. Not all members of the African-American community were on board, as we saw with Dyson and Canick, with this attempt to distinguish the civil rights movement and the gay marriage movement. For example, Byron Rushing, a Boston Democrat, Episcopalian, and a member of the Massachusetts State Legislature, said that Martin Luther King Jr. must be rolling over in his grave to hear Black leaders opposing gay marriage. And during the debate over gay marriage in Massachusetts, the Family Research Council organized a press conference at the State House in Boston, which turned into a shouting match. Several ministers argued that since the homosexual lifestyle was a choice, the gay community did not deserve the same rights and protections as racial minorities. One of those clergymen, Gerald Agee, of the Friendship Christian Church in Oakland, Massachusetts, claimed that there was no scientific data that says that anybody is born that way. And because they could not substantiate it through science, they've jumped on the civil rights bandwagon. But Reverend Irene Moore, a doctoral candidate at Harvard Divinity School, stood up and claimed that these ministers were unfairly creating what she called a hierarchy of oppression. The representatives of the Family Research Council tried to silence her, and according to the Boston Globe, the heated debate spilled into the hallways. The fact that white Christian organizations like the Family Research Council used Black clergy to promote their anti-gay marriage agenda did not go unnoticed by astute Black commentators. Dwight McBride, the chairman of the African-American Studies Department at Northwestern University in Evanston, Illinois, suggested that by rejecting gay marriage, ministers proved to white America that they were respectable Black people. This also explained, McBride said, why even secular Blacks gave the gay marriage movement such a cool reception. Indeed, Black clergy were more than willing to unite with white evangelicals in the fight against gay marriage. And white evangelicals did not hesitate to use them as spokespeople for the cause. For example, Reverend Lewis Sheldon, the white leader of the Traditional Values Coalition, said that his organization was looking for African-American clergy members who have local authority, and we're getting them to hold a summit on marriage. The Christian right had used this strategy for decades. As sociologist Sean Cahill writes, 
anti-gay groups increasingly put forward African-American spokespeople to argue that gay rights threatened the civil rights of people of color. Black writer Kenyon Farrow understood this phenomenon better than most. In a provocative piece titled, Is Gay Marriage Anti-Black? Farrow pulled no punches. Part of his essay is worth reading in full. Quote, I as a black man do not support this push for same-sex marriage. Although I don't claim to represent all black gay people, I do believe that the manner in which this campaign has been handled has put black people in the middle of essentially two white groups of people who are trying to manipulate us one way or the other. The Christian right, which is in fact anti-black, has tried to create a false alliance between themselves and Blacks through religion to push forward their homophobic, fascist agenda. The white gay civil rights groups are also anti-Black. However, they want people to see this struggle for same-sex unions as tantamount to separate but equal Jim Crow laws. Yet any close examination reveals that histories of terror imposed upon generations of all Black people in this country do not in any way compare to what appears to be the very last barrier between white gays and lesbians, access to what Bell Hooks describes as Christian capitalist patriarchy. That system is inherently anti-Black and no amount of civil rights will ever get Black people any real liberation from it. For in what is now a good 40 years of civil rights, nothing has intrinsically changed or altered in the American power structure, and a few Black faces in inherently racist institutions is hardly progress, unquote. As 2004 unfolded, this coalition of white evangelicals and black Christians would now lead the fight for an amendment to the United States Constitution that affirmed marriage as between one man and one woman. We will turn to these efforts to create such a federal amendment in our next episode. The History of Evangelicals and Politics is produced by Casey Lehman. It is a podcast for patrons of Current, an online platform that includes daily commentary, reflection, and judgment from diverse and talented writers representing positions across the political spectrum. Current also hosts The Way of Improvement Leads Home, a blog dedicated to reflections on American history, politics, religion, and academic life. This podcast is made possible by our patrons. Please consider supporting us by heading over to currentpub.com and clicking the red support button.